my friend was broke. She didn't know what to do or where to turn. I'm Nora Ellen. The reason I began this podcast called Women Starting Over is to help women like my friend who find themselves in financial hardship, like divorce, or lost their job or went bankrupt, or maybe, sadly, their husband passed away. You will love these real-life stories of my guests of how they went from being broke to hope to financial success. If she can do it, so can you. Here we go. I am so happy about our guest today because she is very successful in corporate America. There are a lot of my listeners who are business owners and entrepreneurs, but there's a lot of us women that enjoy working in corporate America. We enjoy working in certain kinds of jobs for companies. And my guest today is a senior financial planner at Vanguard. She has her CFP, which is a certified financial planner certificate. <laughs> I'm not sure I said that right, but she's a doll. Her her daughter is one of the best friends with my daughter in love, Holly Mesnard. That's what I call her, my daughter in love, Amanda is her friend, and Amanda is precious. She and I have planned some showers together. She's like the event specialist, and she's a very bright young woman. Suzanne Brucing, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nora. And what's great about Suzanne is she has a real heart for children. She's had a lot of opportunities to volunteer in schools, with mentoring and tutoring children, doing children's programs, volunteering at the library, and also including at-risk kids, which is really important. I wanted to share that about Suzanne. And she is going to start with her growing up years, as we always do when it came to finances and how she was impacted by that. And take it away, Suzanne. Well, thank you, Nora. Um, I think, you know, in, in growing up in the, in the sixties and in seventies, I don't think we really were taught much about finances in, um, in our households and growing up. I don't really remember that as being a part of our, our education. It was more of a trial by error once you left home and started college and, bounced a couple checks and, and realized how mm. to manage my checkbook and manage my budget. And uh, I think that that was probably my first experience of, of doing that on my own. So, right. So basically trial by error, right? So learning right? the hard way. Whoops, I bounced a check. Okay. Now we know what that is. <laughs> that And that's true. We, we weren't. Even in schools, I, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine where there should be financial literacy starting from kindergarten. We can teach about finances and money easily through all kinds of subjects to just weave it in there. It doesn't even have to be a separate subject, financial literacy, but that is a hard way to, to learn about that. So was that when you're in high school or you said college? Probably high school. I mean, you know, those, those first jobs and saving money mm-hmm. and, 
you know, were your first experiences, but probably college when I first started, you know, realizing that I better, you know, save and have a budget and, you know, have money set aside and, you know, um, being able to pay the rent and, and, and just like you said, balancing your checkbook at trial by error. I, um, that's kind of how we learned. Mm-hmm. And then when we started our first jobs and our, 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 in retirement accounts. And I really didn't have a clear understanding of 401ks or, or any of the investment opportunities that were out there um, at that point in time. So you were basically self-taught. I was. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us are self-taught by trial and error. Yeah, that's true. And uh, especially women, we really weren't encouraged and to talk about it or mm-hmm. to, you know, um, it, it just wasn't a subject that came up. Right. That's kind of true. Now, did your parents work? Were they uh, business owners or uh, worked for a company? My father was in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in J.C. Penney's, a career man. Uh, my mother basically stayed at home with the kids um, when I was growing up, and and that was pretty much the typical neighborhood childhood. It's true. That's absolutely true. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in those days, like I had a friend who worked for J.C. Penney's also. In in those days, back in the nineteen hundreds. <laughs> That's my joke, the 1900s. People would generally work for the same company for decades and then retire. And that's kind of how it was, which kind of, in one sense, is is a better system in a way. You're loyal to your company. Your company is loyal to you. Sadly, now, as I understand, maybe JCPenney may not be existing anymore. Right. And, you know, it was something that we all grew up with. And I think... That's changed. That's also changed in corporate America, where there is a lot of loyalty to your company, and 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 you were loyal to them, and your careers were with the individual company forever. Right. I don't think we see that as much anymore. We really don't. I, looking back, in my opinion, I it seemed to start to change when companies no longer valued the employees that were there a long time and we were older i think because they wanted to hire younger people they didn't have to pay them as much there was a little bit of that and i know younger people might have some different ideas but there is wisdom that comes with age (laughs) so i i think that kind of started turning everything it's like wow okay i'm I'm laid off because I'm older, and but I'm doing a great job. It's not because the person wasn't doing a good job. It was a change in philosophy, and I'm, I'm not sure it was a good one. So now, where did you go to college? I went to college at Western Michigan University. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it wasn't even a thought of if or, or what. It was just what you did. Um, I didn't even put that much thought into, like, my major or or school, to tell you the truth. It was just kind of what you did. Mm-hmm. It's just expected to... It was just expected, yeah. yes. 
And what was your major? I majored in um, business and marketing and uh, um, minored in general business and uh, English literature, just because I like to sit out by the pool and read books in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Might as well take college courses to do it and get credit. <laughs> yeah. It was just, you know, um, I wish I could say that I, I put more effort into school and into my education than I did. Um, but I think, like you said, it was just it was just more of an expected thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So you graduated from mm-hmm. there. And what happened next? Um, I went to work. Um, actually, I worked, you know, summers in high school and through college at JCPenney. So okay. um, got an offer there right out of school and went to work at JCPenney's. And I was there for a few years. And uh then the kids came and uh it just really didn't make sense to to work and i thought it would just be a few years mm-hmm. of not working but those few years turned into longer and longer and longer and um really focused on his career my ex and in what he needed in his career and uh and supporting that mm-hmm. sure and the thing with kids I remember as my children were growing up, because I was a stay-at-home mom and really enjoyed it and glad I was mm-hmm. able to do that, is the surprise for me was when my kids got to junior high and high school, that's when some women go back to work, and but my kids seemed to need me more then, especially emo- emotionally and mentally <laughs> than, it, than it seemed when, when they were younger. When you were at JCPenney, was it a... a what were your positions there? I was a merchandiser. So um, I bought women's lingerie for the stores. Oh, that sounds fun. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Did you enjoy it? I did. I, I really enjoyed my job. I did. I, I liked what I was doing. Um, and then we had a move to Texas and I started working in the smaller stores there and helping them set up on their computer systems. And I, I really did enjoy what I was doing. It just, after, you know, number one and then quickly number two baby came along it just didn't make a lot of sense to to work those kind of long hours and have two people focusing on their careers and and truthfully i did feel very lucky and very blessed to be able to stay home with my children absolutely and and do the things i wanted to do right and uh you know and then when they were in junior high and high school is when i started working more in the schools because then i could tailor my my time to their time and have the time off when they were off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I enjoyed working, like I said, with at-risk kids at that point in time too. That's wonderful because we need volunteers to be able to do that. And that is, is the nice thing with stay at home moms. A lot of us volunteer in schools and, and that's definitely needed. Yeah. Like I said, I felt blessed to be able to do that. And I, I enjoyed those the opportunities I had there. Mm-hmm. So then sadly, as I understand your marriage ended in divorce and that's when you found you had to start over. Yeah. I was about 45 years old and uh, making minimum wage. Okay. Wow. So, yes. Now when you say that, so after you got divorced, you got a job that made minimum wage or tell me more about that. Um, 
when I was going through the divorce, I started working at um, a state farm insurance office um, owned, and I just kind of fell into it. So I got my insurance licenses okay. there and um, I was making probably a little bit more than minimum wage, but not a supporting wage. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just started with that and then um, sold, accidentally sold the house and moved to Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just up and away you went. <laughs> I did. I had an estate sale. I sold everything and uh, moved to Arizona with my, my daughter stayed and graduated high school with uh, living with good friends. And then um, I moved out here and I had no job, no place to live and uh, um, no possessions because I sold everything before I moved out here. So that was 16 years ago. That's what I call starting over with starting over. <laughs> That's yeah. a real, but a starting over as you get. <laughs> That's yeah, great. I had to buy dishes and towels and I didn't bring anything. I sold everything except my clothes and my shoes mm-hmm. and some things of the children's I couldn't part with. What made you decide to do that kind of a move? If you don't mind sharing. Um, I always wanted to live in Arizona and, um, I just really felt like I wanted a clean slate. Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to bring that baggage with me. And I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to like really kind of embrace the starting over. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was scary. It is a scary time. Yes. Tell us what you're thinking and feeling and what you did next. Um, so I came to Arizona and um, I rented a, I stayed with my mother for about three or four weeks and rented a property, um, a house. And I learned the city by shopping, I had to buy, <laughs> like everything. So um, that's how I learned my way around Arizona. I moved out here in October of 04 mm-hmm. and um, then in January 1st, I started at a, a temp agency for insurance people, licensed insurance people. Great idea. Mm-hmm. So I started there and I would, started as a job as an underwriter for storage units, which was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had applied at USAA and in March of 2005, I got a job offer from USAA. And I went into their insurance division. And I was there for about 18 months where um, I was reading uh, our little, you know, daily blog where they were opening up what they called the licensed agent program where you would have an opportunity to get your Series 7 and your 66 and move into the investment company. And I thought, well, that would be a a great opportunity for me. I really think that would be interesting. I think I could learn a lot and I think I could really um, actually make more money at the time because money was tight. Mm-hmm. And that we went to a, you know, a very difficult time, you know, with kids in college and, and trying to balance that budget. So I looked at it as, you know, this could possibly be a good opportunity for me. 
And I think those are the opportunities that we forget that corporate America can offer. Yep. Yep, that is absolutely true. And I love that even in corporate America, you were keeping your eyes open for opportunity because that is absolutely true. You can stay in a more low-level job if you want. You're more comfortable there. Or there's more opportunities for higher pay with more responsibility. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that is absolutely true. And there was another episode where someone had worked for Intel and it was the same thing that she was always watching for new opportunities for promotions and growth and new ways to learn. So, cause that's, that is so key in starting over is always watching for new opportunities, even in the company that, that you're working for. Now you said some acronyms of some kinds of things you learned. I, I'm not familiar with those. Could you say those again? So these are qualifying exams for, for the financial industry, okay. uh, regulatory industry. Okay. So in order to sell investment products, you have to pass certain exams and get licensed. Ah, okay. So I, my first exam was my Series 7. And um, kind of actually, to tell you the truth, I passed that by accident i didn't <laughs> think i would that's great oh my gosh by you know, accident uh, you're smarter than you you believe you are suzanne that's cute i've never heard anybody say that but that's cute that's yeah great. it was uh it was my first time taking i had taken insurance exams but this was a, a six-hour exam and i had only self-studied so i'd been mm-hmm. studying for about six weeks and I knew that the exam would be pretty intimid- intimidating. So I thought, well, I'll just go and take the test and see what it's like. Ah. And then I can know what to focus on and to really study for. And I passed it. So. <laughs> that is hilarious. So you go in there thinking, hey, no big deal. Let's just see how hard this is. And you're smarter and brighter than you thought. That's a great story. <laughs> So, yeah, like I said, I, I, so I took my Series 7 and then I went back to um, the, the program director and I said, I passed this. And I said, well, what do you want me to do next? And she said, well, I don't know. Nobody's done that yet. <laughs> That's great. And so she said, wait here, take this book. And it was the 66. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, take this test. <laughs> so I went back and. I, and I'm not going to say these tests were easy. I studied hard. Oh, I'm sure I, they're I hard. I worked full time. I came home and put in at least two or three hours at night, wow. four or five hours every Saturday and, and Sunday. I, I, I really put in the time on the tests to, to pass them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I passed the 66 and I went and I said, what do you want me to do now? <laughs> she said, I don't know. Nobody's done this yet. <laughs> that's great. You're like a, a, a financial pioneer, Suzanne. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so then um, she called later on that afternoon and said they had a class starting in the next week if my boss would release me and I could move to the investment company, and I did. Wonderful. And uh, that's how I started in investments at USAA. And I think it was for me, it was always kind of looking for the next seat and what I wanted to learn next. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know, so I um, started in their sales and service. And uh, after about 18 months, uh, a, a few of us 
moved into a specialty group that did investment sales along with Medicare and long-term care. So kind of like specialty senior products. And I did that for a while. And then I moved to a team that specialized in retirement. And then I moved to a high net worth team, a, a wealth management team. And then my last two years at USAA, I was their corporate trainer and I trained their financial advisors. Oh, wow. That's fabulous. So when you say yeah. you moved to these different positions, you had your eye on them and asked or you were promoted uh, without asking? A little bit of both. I mm-hmm. think some of them I was, it was a shoulder tap. Would you be interested in this? Nice. And some of them it was, hi, I'm, you know, going to your manager and say, I'm interested in this. I want to post for this position. Um, how can you help me? How can you, um, you know, um, what do I need to do? Help me tone my interview skills. Um, tell me, you know, who I need to talk to that's in this position to make sure that this is a direction I want to take. And those mentoring positions that are available in, in corporate America are there. And sometimes you just need to ask for them. Right. Thank you for answering that. Because And that's why I asked, is I want our friend listening to this podcast to hear what were your thought processes, that we don't just wait to be asked, and sometimes we are, but we ask. And I love that you asked, well, what do I need to know that I don't know that I need to know, <laughs> basically. And yeah. after the Series 7, I appreciated that you, well, I love that you self-studied. That is wonderful. You're very focused and focus is such a huge key in the success of starting over. Then after you passed that, you said, well, what do you want me to do now? And they gave you the 66 and you passed that. And what, what do you want me to do now? So your questions are absolutely wonderful and were what helped you continue to learn and grow and get promoted and be successful. Yeah. Like I said, I think that um, I, had, I had great mentors, um, good people to go to. Um, and I think that being able to have those tools and resources mm-hmm. available, um, like I said, it was always, you know, kind of for me was like, what's next? Yes. You know, and, and I think it was in 2010, I got my CFP. And uh, when you, my certified financial planner designation. Mm-hmm. So when I took that test, you had to pass six tests. Wow. To sit for it. And it was a 10 hour exam. Wow. Suzanne. That's... So um, that was pretty exhausting, but sure. you know. I'm glad I passed that one too. Yeah, right. <laughs> the first time you're like the first time test passer, which is, well, which is like great. I said, that was exhausting. But um, yeah. yeah, like I said, the kids were, I think Amanda was in her master's program. So she was studying pretty hard then too. So mm-hmm. yeah. That's wonderful. Okay. And you're still at USAA during this time or were you, when did you change over to Vanguard? I was at USAA then when I got my CFP. And then, like I said, after my last two years in training, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do next. 
And I had friends that had moved to Vanguard and uh, they were incredibly happy mm. and with being there. And uh, so I just thought, well, maybe it's time to just see what else is out there. So I interviewed with the Vanguard in um, was about five years ago. And uh, I moved over to Vanguard. And to, uh, uh, so now I manage client portfolios. Um, I'm a full book advisor. So I have 220 clients that I manage wow. their portfolios for. Wow. That's a lot. Um, and uh, I, I just love what I do because mm-hmm. I really get to know people in their story. Um, and, you know, their investment goals and their journeys. And it's, that's the fun part of my job. Sure. That would be fascinating. Very personal, like you said. And mm-hmm. you're a big part of their success. And you're like extended family. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Sometimes. Yes. And I kind of feel the same way about them, too. So you, you definitely develop those relationships. You do. And what you're doing is very much ongoing with them over a long period of time versus some other jobs or positions or industries is kind of like a, a one-time thing and, and you can be done. So that's, that's really important. Like I said, I think that's what I really like about financial planning. So for some of my clients, you know, I've been with them for five years. So we've gone through the transition of, you know, getting my kids out of college and getting ready for retirement. And now they're retiring and putting together investment plans for their grandchildren and mm. talking about estate planning and legacy planning and, and what does retirement look like for them. And those are the fun stories. They absolutely are. And that's legacy is like my new word now that I'm focused on. And I for the young ones listening is think about legacy now, not don't wait till you're like me <laughs> in your 60s and then you start thinking about what kind of legacy you want to leave. I'll never forget the first time I heard that Benjamin Franklin's estate is still giving out today. It's uh, He was a very wealthy man and he was really good at setting things up to continue long after he's gone, which... I think is is a really great goal to have. Yeah, like I said, I think uh, so many of us are so focused on, you know, just getting by to the day-to-day things that we forget to focus on the legacy in the future. It's true. Even in America here, we tend too much to just drift along and because there's so much distractions, especially with entertainment. We don't try to have high aspirations with legacy and and long-range goals for what we leave behind. Even if you don't have children, there are people still who have needs. And I think it's it's really important to think about. It takes you kind of out of yourself and, and just living from day to day, like you're saying, without without great thought and which causes some people to be in financial hardship all the time to just live like that or, or to keep going broke. And it, it takes vision to, to change that in their lives. I think it's wonderful that 
when you were at USAA that you took the courage to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to see what else is out there. And I think that takes some courage when you're in a good job and you're enjoying it and you're successful and you had mentors to take that jump. Yeah. And like you said, I think um, it's always scary to make those changes and those jumps, but it's exciting too. And uh, I think, you know, too often we kind of get into that comfort zone where it gets harder and harder to make the leaps. Yes. Yeah, that's really true. What kind of financial advice do you have today for a woman that has to start over financially? I'd say the biggest challenge for women starting over financially is as women, we're so used to putting our families and other people first, but we forget to put ourselves first. And I always tell women, financially strong women have financially strong children. Mm, True. And it's not always easy to say no to, you know, to your children. We want to help them. We want to do everything we possibly can to help them. But you have to put your, at some point in time when you're starting over, you have to put your financial needs first. I tell clients all the time that nobody's going to give you a loan for retirement, but your children can take out student loans for their education. That's right. That's true. We think we have to save ahead for our kids, and that is an enormous responsibility. I I did some work through college. A lot of us worked through college, worked our way through mm-hmm. college, and it does something for you with that confidence and feeling good about yourself where you you earned this you worked for this and i don't know why it seems like the the baby boomer generation which is my generation not sure when we were born exactly was after world war ii (laughs) so i think it went from like the mid 1940s to like 1960 like around in there and we just want to give our kids everything and i don't really know where that came from because we didn't really lack i didn't lack growing up we didn't live through the great depression of the 1920s and 1930s so it's it's interesting and i i love my kids and i do want them to have but we can actually rob them of the joy of success which comes from your own work not really your parents what else what other advice do you have um like i said if if you're not sure find out ask someone um don't be afraid to to ask for help and don't be afraid to ask for for clarification um and don't be afraid to ask questions mm-hmm. um i think those are probably um my biggest things that i had the hardest time with um starting over learning how to to, to put myself out there, learning how to ask questions, learning how to ask for help. Um, I think that was probably the hardest thing for me. Sure. Um, we do have a hard Ask for help and put, your, and put your own finances ahead of, in first place. I don't think many men have a hard time doing that like women do. What would you 
say the reason would be for that? I think we're we're taught to be more nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's a natural instinct or we're just taught that to to be more um, nurturing. And uh, and I really think it's important to mentor other women and um, and, and and help them with their progress. You know, when I look at the financial industry and and even my group at Vanguard, I would say we're less than 10, 15 percent women. Wow. Now, when you OK, the women working there, you mean? Yeah. The people were financial planners. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I understand that. I wanted it. That was something I considered when I started was starting over because I care about women so much and I I want women to be financially successful for all the obvious reasons. But I didn't, I didn't go that way because I didn't quite understand it. And then I thought, well, well, will I even have any clients? You know, <laughs> so I, I did some other things. But what is the difference between a financial advisor and a financial planner? Um. So, I like to take a real holistic approach with my clients. Um, I feel like your financial plan is more than just um, your investments. It also involves your your lifestyle, your goals, your legacy, your estate planning, your um, whether it's long term care or five twenty nine plans. But I believe that in being more holistic, when coming up with an investment plan and a strategy that incorporates you know, really talking to my clients and finding out what's important to them and what is their retirement or, or their goals look like. Mm-hmm. And everybody's are different. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And I appreciate what you're saying about finances and that we have to take care of ourselves and look out for what we need, especially as mothers, as single mothers and not feel like we have to buy our kids everything and that we have to fund everything for their lives like college and cars and when it can come from other sources. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the book. I think it's kind of a classic and I think it's called The Richest Man in Babylon. And basically Uh the premise of the book is pay yourself first. (laughs) um, It is, yes. Yeah. And I think that's some that's a lesson we can all learn. Yeah, that's really true. And it's kind of a booklet. So my friend listening, you might want to read that little booklet because it also talks about always setting aside a little bit every time you earn money, however it is that you earn it. It's really important and with the paying yourself first. So any other advice you want to to give or anything else you want to share before we conclude here in a couple of minutes um like i said i think uh put yourself first save um a little bit each each time and a little bit more and a little bit more uh support and mentor each other and uh always be kind of have your eye open for what you want to do next and what that looks like yes that is so key. And you did that all through your career here. So about uh, 16 years, I think both of us 
might have been divorced at the same time. <laughs> it's 2003 for me. So, <laughs> yep, yeah, same thing. So I think we're we're in the same age group, Nora. Same bracket there. We sure are. And the women listening to us and our age bracket, there's hope for you. And then the younger women, hopefully you learn from us. And <laughs> and uh, so the by the time you are at our age, you have a strong legacy going. Instead of uh, there are some women that haven't planned that far ahead. And I appreciate all your advice to our listeners and sharing your story, Suzanne. You are courageous. You're definitely a courageous woman and how you just kind of put fear aside. And I think you're a very humble person, too. Humility is very important with success. You were not afraid, as you mentioned, to ask questions. What do you want me to do next is a great question, especially in corporate jobs in corporate America. And I really appreciate Vanguard. Actually, I have some and I have invested with Vanguard and have a little bit there now because I think Vanguard as a company has good standards. Yes. Do you want to share that a little bit, the the Vanguard standard? (laughs) Yeah. You know, the Vanguard's philosophy is to put, you know, every investor first. And I really appreciate that. And I think Vanguard is, is, is corporate America that stands behind its, its, its mission statement. And I appreciate that about Vanguard. Um, I've enjoyed working there. I've enjoyed their their leadership. I've enjoyed um, how they treat their employees and how they treat their clients. And, um, and this isn't necessarily a plug for Vanguard, but for me personally, it's important to work for a company that represents my values. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw a video about them on YouTube and... I guess the person that started Vanguard and it just impressed me because I did feel like, oh, you really are out for your investors, that your clients. And I learned a lot about EFTs, which mm-hmm. you want to talk a little bit about their EFTs, because <laughs> that's what I remember is their mission with that. It was like that. It was impressive. The exchange traded funds. Yes. So. <laughs> Vanguard's Tom Bogle is the um, founder of Vanguard. So we're Bogleheads is what they, they like to call us in the industry. Okay. Um, he believes in uh, indexing. So we're indexed investors, broad-based diversification, control the things you can, low expense ratios, and making investing available to everyone. Nice. That is an outstanding mission to do. Do you want to explain a little bit about indexed investments? So indexed investors believe that the market is perfect. So you own the whole market proportionately. That way you're not taking on unnecessary sector risk. And then you, you rebalance your portfolio, um, on an ongoing basis back to your risk. And by owning the whole market and taking advantage of the natural highs and lows in the market, that's how you're successful for the long run. That makes a lot of sense. 
And that's what I like about them. So it's not this super high risk stuff. It's like gambling almost because there are people that do gamble with the stock market. Mm-hmm. But most of us don't have the risk tolerance to do that. And uh, I like the Vanguard approach because it's, it's very, it's a simple approach. Own the whole market, buy high or sell high and buy low. Mm-hmm and um, have a dedicated and plan in place. So when we have a rough market like we have, you know exactly what you're going to do and you know how you're going to handle it. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that because there are people that do have stocks that some of our listeners do have stocks and portfolios and hopefully they're learning a lot and deciding if they're have their investments in the right place or not because <laughs> that that can happen where you you aren't in the best um, working through the best investment company okay Correct. well this Thank has you, been great Suzanne and very different from a lot of the other interviews and especially with working in corporate America and we need you working in corporate America, right? We can't all be business owners, entrepreneurs, or working in corporate America. We need people working in all kinds of industries, sectors. And it sounds like you're really good at what you do. You've shared a lot of helpful tips for everyone listening, no matter where they're at, with starting over. So thank you very much. And we'll see you in the next episode for those who are listening. Bye for now. Thanks, Star. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Well, my friend, thank you for letting me be with you today. Please leave a review so that women that need help can find this podcast. I am Nora Ellen, your host. See you next time on Women Starting Over.